Welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles. I'm the Managing Director of B Squared and the host of the Sendcast, the Special Needs Podcast. Each week we'll be talking about a different topic within the world of special educational needs to improve our knowledge, to provide support to professionals working in schools and to empower parents. In this bonus episode, we'll be talking about the coronavirus and the implications for special schools, pupils with SEND and their families. Our guest is Lorraine Peterson, OBE. Lorraine has over 25 years experience as a teacher and a head teacher. She was also the CEO of Nason between 2004 and 2013. And Lorraine now works as a consultant as well as a number of other roles. I would just like to mention the virtual SEND conference. This is a conference we started running in 2019 that makes CPD around SEND more affordable and easier to access, especially when a large number of us will be working from home. The conference is broadcast over the internet on the 27th of March, but the entire conference is recorded so you can access the conference at a time that suits you. For more information, please visit www.virtualsendconference.com and at the end of the episode, I'll be giving you a discount code so you can save some money when you purchase access. Now on with the podcast. This week's show is on the coronavirus. At the time of recording, which is around half 11 on Monday morning, the 16th of March, there has been minimal updates from the government on the coronavirus. There is talk of over 70s possibly self-isolating and possibly banning gatherings of over 500 people. And there's no real guidance for schools, for pupils with SEND or their families. Um, we're not going to tell you what's going to be happening um, or for how long, as we don't know. No one knows. Uh, we will discuss what this might mean, what you might need to think about, and what you might need to start preparing for. Uh, this week's guest is Lorraine Peterson, OBE. Lorraine is an educational consultant with 25 years' experience working in schools, and since 2004 has been supporting special needs in a variety of ways as a CEO of Nason, as a consultant, a director of Teaching School Alliance, and a governor. Lorraine has received numerous awards for her work, including her OBE. Welcome to the show, Lorraine. Thank you. Um, good morning to everybody. Um, we've never been in a situation like this for a very long time, before most people were even born. There's lots of speculation, speculation out there on how long this will last. Some graphs show this is going on for over a year. Others aren't that concerned. It's very hard to work out how cautious people should be. Our government seems to be taking a hands-off approach. Other countries are going on full-on lockdown. One thing they all agree on is it's about reducing and delaying the spikes so our hospitals will cope better. There's lots of talk about the over 70s and the vulnerability, but there is minimal discussion around younger vulnerable people. This is a big topic. Where do we start? Okay, well, it is a big topic. And um, my, my, my starting point would be making sure that we're following whatever the government is telling us to do, although it is quite minimal. There is um, a, a document that is guidance for educational establishments, um, and that is updated on a regular basis. Um, I am assuming that that will probably be updated later on today because I know there is a big meeting with the Secretary of State um, and the education unions taking place today. So there, there could be some more news by the end of today. Um, <clears throat> but after that, I think that schools need to just start thinking about the sorts of needs their pupils have got and what that means for them over the, the next week, two weeks, three weeks. And I think there's two things we need to be considering. One is, if we don't close, what the implications of that are. And if the government do decide to close all schools, what the implications of that is. Um, so I suppose I'll start with the government don't decide to close all schools. Um, and so schools are then left on their own. Um at, at which point local authorities may have to get involved if you are a main, if you're in a maintained school or a multi-academy trust will obviously the, the head of that will have to start deciding what they're going to do as a trust. Um, I know that in some special schools already, some parents have already chosen to remove their children just purely because of their vulnerability. Um, and we have to remember that although there's lots of conversations that children don't get this virus as, as badly. You know, some of our children in special schools and some in mainstream have got additional needs and they will be incredibly vulnerable. 
So I think the first thing is that for those school, those schools where parents have already voted with their feet and taken their um, youngster out, we need to acknowledge um, that that is a, a recognised absence and we don't record it as unauthorised, we actually record it as authorised and as a school you will know your genuine parents and the parents that have obviously got concerns. I think the the thing that we've got to make sure is we've got all of the hygiene and hand washing processes in place um, that we've got gel we've got wipes we've got um, you know everything that is needed and we have trained our, our, our children to to use all of those things and I think in most schools that's a a, a, a guaranteed yes now a lot of schools um, have started banning visitors haven't they yes so that was that was, that was the next thing I was going to say I think that we need to start thinking about we only want essential people walking through those school doors and that includes parents, you know, so that we only have into school the people that need to be in that school. So visitors, you know, we, we have to just say no to. Um, if we've got people who were coming in to do, you know, students who maybe were just coming to look round, all of those things I think we need to be um, aware of. I think if we... If we do need parents to come into schools, then maybe we need to have one room where they they come in and they just go into that room, um, not wandering around school. Um, We know that many, well, I think all overseas visits have now been um, cancelled, but I think the schools have to start thinking about any school visits um, that are are planned. And it's that time of year, isn't it, when we're coming to, you know, it seems a long time off, but, you know, um, the end of uh, school, year six trip and uh, the outward bound things and we've got the prom and yep. you know, all of those activities are, are coming our way. My daughter's um, doing her DV, so we've got the practice weekend. In theory, that should be banned, but in reality, she's joined to walk around nowhere. So yeah. she's quite isolated <laughs> yeah, doing absolutely. that. And I think sometimes, you know, it's, it's being sensible. You yeah. Know, you, you People working in school know their school, they know their pupils, um, but the um, yeah the, the hygiene bit is is really important. Just just to go back on that a bit, um, where where pupils are sharing equipment, making sure that equipment's being wiped down thoroughly and um, and cleaned, and obviously cleaning staff are being extra vigilant about surfaces and things. Um, and I think the other bit for me is keeping in close communication with parents. Yeah, you know, I know that. As schools, we don't know that much, but what little we do know, we need to share with parents so that parents then, you know, are, are ready and, and know what, what to expect. I know a lot of schools, where you mentioned the visitors, I think it's when you think about after-school activities, um, if your teacher's running it, no expert. if you've yeah. got external people coming yeah. in, you may have to think about that. If you hire out your swimming pool, yeah. if you've got hire out your hall for the brownies, yeah. it's just... Each one of those is an additional risk. Absolutely. So we've got um, a hydrotherapy pool in the, the special school where I'm a governor. And again, we have Saturday morning groups. We have pup- uh, pupils coming from other schools. Um, and obviously, we're going to have to think very seriously about what happens um, with those. But you've also got um, to then balance up all the parents who rely on the after-school clubs. Absolutely. They can't get back. So it's yeah. a real balance. Everything uh, is it's, it's, it, The whole thing is going to be a balance. Whatever happens and whatever the, the final announcements are, there's going to have to be a balance in, in terms of, you know, who's doing what. If schools do stay open, one of the big things I think that's going to be the balance is if staff, you know, become ill and they go off and self-isolate, you know, in a mainstream school, you can probably have two or three, four going off. But in a special school, you know, we need those staff because of the the staff-to-pupil ratio to support those youngsters. And we've also got, in most special schools, medical staff as well. Yep. So children are getting physio, they're having their, you know, their, their feeds, they're having tracky um, changes. You know, all of those things have got to be thought about um, in terms of if that person that does that is off sick, you, can you actually have that child into school on that day? And it's, 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 with, with a lot of schools, they're talking about, because you've got the SATs coming up, GCSEs, A-levels, and I think most people are thinking about disrupting education and the yeah. qualifications and all that. So generally, most of the thought, I think, currently going on is educational-based. Yeah. But I think when you're a special school or any school with vulnerable children, you've got to think, 
is the education important or is health and Absolutely. life? And it's making sure you're making decisions on the right reasons. Absolutely. And I, you know, I, I take on board the SATs and the GCSEs and uh, yeah, maybe SATs not so important, but you know, these youngsters have, have worked hard for GCSEs, um, you know, and they, we want to, obviously they don't want to be deferring those, but you know, if that's what has to happen, that happens. But because that um, also impl- implications on children going from secondary to college, from college to university. Yeah. If the A levels haven't happened, how do you get a place at yeah. uni? Absolutely, you, you, I mean, there are you, every every time you think about one scenario, you come up with three others, um, and <clears throat> you know, there's there's a bit of me that actually wants the government to make a decision because at least then it's a national decision. Yeah, and and. Every every youngster that's doing a GCSE won't be able to do their GCSEs, or they'll do them in a different way, or whatever. Um, my worry is that if the government don't make that decision, then you know across the country we'll have thousands of different ways of doing things that are not going to be please please everybody. Because if if they're not closing the schools, then if GCSEs and SATs, that's still all the league table pressures and all these pressures mm-hmm. on. And if Scott, one school takes a health route of actually we need to protect our children, the other school's going for the, I, need, I want the league table position, mm-hmm. the parents in those schools will not disagree, will not agree with that. No. They'll be going, I want my child to get my qualification or I want my child to be... Mm-hmm. It's it, it's going to be really hard for schools to make those decisions. And, and the response of the SEN relies with the local authority. Mm-hmm. It's... It would be so much easier if the government made decisions. Absolutely. And, and you know, as you say, the, the local authority is, is in charge of SEN, if you like. So you've got children who've got education, health and care plans. Um, and, you know, within that plan, there is provision. And the school should daily be providing that provision. If the school is closed, where's that provision going to come from? I mean, I can be even more, you know, sort of a bit more... Um, political I suppose and say where's the money that is attached to that education health and care plan going to go if, if schools shut for a long period of time um, so there's there's lots of things to think about and I think for special schools and for mainstream schools that have got you know pupils that are vulnerable um, it's going to be even harder and just touching on that how how long schools will be closed for so the moment we're in the no schools are going to close and some countries and things are about, oh, we'll close till beginning of April or the end of March but North, uh, Ireland have just closed their schools for 16 weeks yeah. in reality that means schools are closed from now till September yeah. so if a school closes for two weeks or three weeks you put interim it's like snow days yeah yeah only a bit longer <laughs> but when you start getting to a half term a term that's huge that Absolutely. is never happened before no. in this country or probably europe it's no. it's nothing like this so for education uh, in universities that can continue in an online way uh, secondary schools in a similar the lower you get the harder that is and also those priorities change yeah and and I, you know i think that every time i think about a closure you, you, the knock-on effect of that. So, yeah, parents who work. So, you know, there's childcare issues. And if 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 the idea is is that youngster has to stay at home, but then you need childminders or grandparents, or you know, how how will that work? Um, if if people are having to take time off, is it going to be sick leave? Is it going to be holiday leave? Is it unpaid leave? That can have all sorts of implications. Um, <clears throat> and then you've got people who have got jobs like transport so the people who bring the children to special schools every day in there you know will they get paid um there's it's it's huge when you look at the the knock-on effect of um you know if there was a decision to close and i think if the government makes a decision we can all plan around it absolutely if, if we're it, left for each school making their own decision and when and if if that teacher's not in or that person's yeah. ill Day-by-day decision-making is going to be really hard for anyone to deal with, the parents, the companies, everyone. Absolutely. I, and, and I think it will, it's putting an awful lot of pressure on a head teacher and, and the governors, um, that, that, and they're already under significant pressure anyway, um, to make those decisions on a day-to-day basis. And, and also, you know, you've, you've got, you, you can not know that you're going to be 20 staff down until half past eight in the morning when all of your children are on their buses coming into school. Um, and, and, you know, you, you've then got to do a reverse, <laughs> but they're all going to come in first and then you've got to uh, work out how you're going to get them back again. Because the parents won't be there to the have them back. Parents won't be there, parents will be at work, um, you know, and, and it, it's a real challenge. Um, 
And, and you know, we, we had a, a situation a couple of weeks ago in, in our special school where all our power went off um, and we had we had nothing. Um, the, the fuse box had burned out. Um, and by half past 11, we had had to notify every parent so all our children come on buses or in taxis. Um, but actually by half past 11, all, the majority of our young people had gone, parents had actually come to collect them. Um, but one of the issues was our phone system had gone down. So we had to use all the staff's mobile phones. You know, it's, it's all those knock-on effects that you don't think about. You no. can put a risk assessment together. You can have a, a plan, um, you know, a contingency plan, but there'll always be something that doesn't you don't think about or doesn't fit into that plan that you've got to, you know, you're on your feet, you've got to deal with it. Because even in that situation, you generally plan, your people who do the transport is your plan for that time and your plan for that time. And between that, they're doing something else. Absolutely. The buses are off. Yeah, so yeah, we then had to rely on parents who, many were at work, so they had to leave work and come. And, you know, it's it's, going to be really, really difficult. So I think that if, if we are not told we're going to close... Uh, I think that schools still need to plan that they may have to close, and if they if if that's the case, what does that actually mean um, for parents? What does it mean in terms of children who are on free school meals? That's a big and one. how are they going to? You know, I mean, many of our youngsters that is the only meal they get every day. So, what does that mean? Um, and what does it mean for education? Um, you know, so. Lots of people talking about online learning and there's lots of platforms. But, you know, although most of our families have got a mobile phone, many do not have um, an iPad or a PC or a laptop, which is really what you need for, you know, a a good variety of online learning. There's lots of there's there's lots of people who are um, saying they've done free resources. So I know that Twinkle are doing yeah. a free I know TTS have put together some books um, and an organisation called Chatterpack have put together a really comprehensive list but again you've got photocopying and for children with SDN paper isn't always <laughs> the answer no. that you know they can't take a booklet home because they you know they're not able to read or write or whatever um, so how are we going to make sure that they have got something that they can continue education at home without having you know, some of the um, assistive technology that they might be using at, at, at school, but they don't actually have access to at home. So schools, <coughs> whilst while still trying to stay open and do all the th- right things that open, they still need to be thinking about what happens if I do have to shut? What happens if on Thursday morning I find I'm 20 staff down? Um, and it, as a member of staff... You know, you need to be able to know what to do if you wake up on Thursday morning with a really bad throat or cough or, you know, all the different things that we're meant to have if we get the virus. Who do you let know? You know, where, at what time do you let them know? What's the best way of letting them know? And and once once if one of your staff is waking up with that throat and realising, well, that's two weeks too late the rest of the staff and the people. So it's, it's, it's a nightmare. Yeah, it, it, it is. And, and, and we, you know, everybody's got to have the plan of what they're going to do, um, which is why I, I say one of the really important things for me is keeping parents in communicado. So you've actually got yeah. a, a, a almost daily, a bit, you know, the government have said they're going to give us daily bulletins now. And actually that I think schools need to have daily bulletins, even if it's only a text message or whatever other, you know, whatever platform you use, and schools use different ones, um, to let get those messages out. Even if that um, message is simply no change. Absolutely. And so that, you know, every parent knows that every single day they will find something, even if it is only no change. So they are looking out for that particular message from school. And I think, I think it's easy for schools to think I, mean, I know the situation I know what's going on but as a parent when you're worried that no change can just be really reassuring absolutely it is it, 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 it is just that message that you know that the school are on it <laughs> they are on the ball and they are letting you know um, and you know again it, you may have to stop parents coming into playgrounds you know children have to be left at the gate and, and come in so you won't have especially in ma- a mainstream primary schools where you have that daily chat <laughs> you, it, that that may not have to be, be able to happen so you have to think about 
um, you know, where, where are your parents going to stop <laughs> and yeah. where are the children going to come in? Um, and um, it's, it's also how does that information get passed on? Cause, yes. Because sometimes there's key information of something's happened at home or this has happened or we've done this in really important information. Uh, absolutely. And schools need to have an alternative way. Yeah. Maybe of- we'll have to go back to the old note system, you know, like... <laughs> quick note from mom but yeah i mean they're, they're the things we need we need to think about because um you know if they, if they if they suddenly say you know that um no more events over 500 people and you take a large secondary school and you've got them all coming in through that main gate and you've got some parents and you are going to have a group bigger than 500 people and, and therefore you know that does that mean then you close the school you yep. don't know um, one of the things I'll just say, because I've seen some schools have been to speed up that communication between parents and teachers is they've been sharing the teacher's email address. But I think for the short term, that's great. But there is the long term of at Christmas, you could still be getting emails on random things. Yeah. So one of the things um, schools can do, which hopefully a lot of people are aware of, uh, but teachers may not be, but the IT person should, is you can create an alias for an email address. Right. Okay. So what you can do is basically create a slightly different email address. That would work until you turn it off. Mm. So you're not actually giving out the teacher's email address. You're giving another way that teacher can be connected. Mm. And that way, later on, people can turn that off. Yeah. yeah. So it's a short term. Yeah. And, and, and we do have to remember GDPR in all of this and, and, and people's own data protection and protecting our staff and our pupils. Because if we do have to go um, working from home, we then have to think about, so what are staff accessing at home? What are they taking home? Um, and you know all of that sort of thing so that's something else we need to think about now should schools um, close in the future and also the equipment they're using so a lot of people might go to um, systems for using communication or messaging parents but again where is that data yeah absolutely Um, and and you know if people are talking about you know setting up um, uh, virtual classrooms which the teacher will lead from home and but again there's all sorts of well, protection issues around yes. that, which we have to be very careful about. Um, and, and we can't just do that overnight. We've got to be ready for that if that's what we choose to do. I think the other thing that schools need to be thinking about whilst they're open is if a child or a, or a member of staff does become ill during the school day, they need to self-isolate immediately. So where in your school have you got that could be used as an isolation room? Um, that where where the, the child would be safe, they would have to be with an adult if they were a young. So you'd have to use the two meter, dis- well, two, one and a half to two meters distance. But actually, lots of schools don't have any spare rooms. Oh no, no, you know those exclusion rooms they use for the students. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, booths. <laughs> those booths. Yes. Finally, a real segregation booths. Yeah, we'll use them. Um, <laughs> No, but, you know, it is something we've got to think about. Because, again, if you're a big open plan school and don't have, you know, any any spare rooms, then, you, you you know, if you've got to wait for a parent to pick a child up, it could be an hour or more if that parent's got a distance or has got to come out of work. So you've got to isolate that youngster, you know, for that period of time. and, and or, or it could be a member of staff um, who, you know, can't get home immediately. They haven't got a car or whatever. So... You've got to, to me, these are the things we need to be thinking about now. And then you've got to think about who's, who's, if it's a pupil, the whole of that class is likely to follow suit. Yeah, so then you've got to think about deep cleaning or what, you know, wiping surfaces, being extra vigilant with the hygiene. Um, And I have, you know, one of the things that I, um, I hadn't thought about actually, but I was talking to a head teacher the other day um, and a parent had wanted to know why. Um, their child couldn't take their own hand gel in. Um, and this head was saying, you know, one, we don't know what's in it, so we can't. We can only use the stuff that we know what's Works. in it. And then what happens if, you know, children are children, they start squeezing it into somebody's face or eyes. <laughs> I mean, you know, we've, we've, we've all been there. But there are health and safety reasons why schools are saying no to certain things. <laughs> and again, as parents, we just need to know that... There's a reason behind it. It isn't just a, we don't want it. You know, I'm sure most schools would be really happy to have hand gel, but if it's something that they haven't had, you know, a school would have to buy through a a known um, 
deal, deal yep. um, shop or, or whatever supplier to make sure that it has all the health and safety um, things around it. So, you know, as much as it would be good for your, your child to take it in, you do need to accept that, you know, they're better off using what they've got because yep. then they, they, it's tested and tried and... Um, health and safety. One thing I just want to touch on it um, is I think it's important for schools to be in charge of the communication. Mm. And what I mean by that is what you don't want is to be sending a child home and then that parent posting on Facebook that their child's been sent home with a virus. That message should always come from the school first. Yeah. So don't hesitate. Um, don't worry about the negative repercussions. If you don't say it and someone else says it on your behalf, mm. it will always come out worse. In our local community, it was in the news. It was on the uh, and you're like, wow. So it, it needs to come from the school. Mm. Otherwise, you'll find there's more work digging yourself out of that negative communication yeah. hole than if you said the message in the first Absolutely. place. Absolutely, and we all know that you know the the, the fast pace of social media. So again asking your parents not to share things on social media that everything will come out from the school um if there's anything that is 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 really important then uh, you know and the press get hold of it then there will be a press release that will go out to parents yep. um you know if there is a, a case of the virus a known case that will be sent to parents you know we don't as you say don't want that going parent to parent we want it to go school um, to all parents at the same time. So everybody's getting the same yep. information at the same time. Um, and sometimes if there is a delay, it's often because they've, if it's a full school thing, it's a serious issue, they've got to get hold of the governors. Absolutely. And and, and they may have, you know, if it's a maintained school, contact the local authority. If it's tr- a, a multi-canning trust, get hold of the, the, the trust body. So you can't just do things immediately. Um, and also, um, you, know, you only you only know if it's a definite co- coronavirus if the child is, or, the, or the, the adult has been tested. And there's a lot of people at the moment that are, you know, thinking they may have it, but they haven't actually been tested for it. So it's you know it's it only when it's a definite. I've had the test, and yes, it is that actually that's when yep. we need to you know start thinking about then. So what does this mean for? our school or that classroom or you know whatever but in, you know when you think about well in special schools especially you know children are moving about they're in their wheelchairs they're you know they're they're not just sat in in a classroom maybe in uh, primary schools more so but in secondary schools you've got 1500 pupils all moving around every hour um you know all interacting in the in the um corridors it's it's a bit of a nightmare yep they're all going to get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I suppose the, 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 if if we do get a blanket, we're going to close. That will make life easier, um, especially in terms of well, at least you know parents will know what's happening because the, we've we've been told we've got to close. Um, but then I think schools then have to start thinking about. So what does that mean for what we provide for our pupils? Um, and that goes beyond in like secondary school teaching. It's the, the therapy. Yeah, and, and yeah, because for, spe- for special well, for children that have got additional needs or are vulnerable, you know, many of those may have physiotherapy three times a week in school. So what does that mean? You know, um, it means that often, I mean, you know, parents will be able to do the procedures and give medication, but that means parents have then got to be at home if that child's at home. Um, and what, you know, what, what impact does that have? Now, obviously, when those youngsters are at home in holiday times, that's, you know, it happens, but they might, they might go to respite. Um, there might be a, you know, a respite family or a respite home where they can go, which they may be in lockdown. <laughs> So it's very much going to fall on the family to make sure that their child, and that's, that can be real pressure on families, um, especially if they can't go out anywhere, because obviously, you know, being shut up in a house for any length of time is difficult for any of us, but, you know, for vulnerable families, it's, it's even more of a challenge. I think one of the concerns of the government was if you take children out of school but parents still have to go to work then actually the children end up with the grandparents, which puts the grandparents at much more bigger risk, or they go to a childminder, mm. which kind of 
still hasn't the same effect. When I think when when the government wants to close schools, they basically are expecting a parent to be at home or a much older sibling over eighteen. Yeah, I, I, and I think that that's that will be the expectation. But then, you how know, do you afford that? How can you afford that? Because if I mean, the government have said tentatively that people will get sick pay but sick pay is 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 you know minute compared to what some people might be earning um and you know again what happens if you are working in um the, you know the health service because you know we cannot afford to have half of our nurses not at work because their children are at home um and so you know i think that I, I read somewhere about um, they were thinking about if they did shut all schools, but children whose parents were in the service industries or medical industry would stay at school. Well, that seems a bit silly to me because then, you know, you've got some children not in and some in and which teachers come in and which teachers don't and your teachers are still vulnerable. And, you know, I, it, it's, uh, for me, it's got to be all or nothing. Yeah. You, you can't, you know. I think in those situations, the schools are more or less just becoming daycare. Uh, yes, and, and and you know what 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 that's not what we want to be and and we're still they're still very vulnerable yes because they're in a public building with other people so I think that you know there's a lot of thought and I understand why the government maybe are procrastinating a little because the implications are vast it's not just a case of shutting the schools I mean it's got lots and lots of repercussions no, I, th- I think to me, the government is delaying, so they're getting all the answers. Because they know the moment if they close all the schools, any parent with a child doing GCSE levels and SATs, immediate questions on the, their child's future yeah. and what is the answer. The government kind of needs to have those answers quickly. So part of it, I think they're delaying because they need the information. Yeah. But I also think they're delaying to get things lined up. So they're working very hard in the background yeah, uh, with various things. So when they do this maintenance and everything goes wrong and everything happens... Yeah. They then, because teachers will find out the exact same time, head teachers are probably going to find out the exact same time everyone else does. Yeah. And yet in that moment, they are supposed to have the answer. You know that phone will be ringing in five minutes from yeah. a parent and somehow that head teacher has to know everything. Yeah. And they won't. And I'll be honest, you know, there are head teachers out there that have got their contingency plans. They've already thought about it. They've, um, but you know, and, and they'll put those into action at the point where they need to put them into action. But there will be others that haven't, that have just sort of thought, well, you know, we'll just wait and see what happens. Um, I think you're right about they're trying to put all their you know ducks in a row, if you like, yeah. because whatever happens, it, something will go wrong because <laughs> it's bound to, because somebody hasn't thought about it. So I think, you know, that, that there is all of that knock-on effect. And, you know, when we do get some information, hopefully it will help. Um but I, I do, I do worry that if it is left to schools, we're going to have a huge knock-on effect of well, why are they shutting and why are you not and you, you, all of that, and then that that will put so much pressure on head teachers and governing bodies. It will just um, the stress level of everyone, yes. everyone involved, the parents. Yeah. It will just be yeah. not nice. And the, and the, you know, teachers will will struggle in even if. They, you know, they are not feeling very well, even if it's not sort of virus that, that, that you know, it might just be a cold, but they'll struggle in because they they know that the, there's a difficult situation there. So, and another angle schools have to, with me and Lorraine are recording a podcast later on anxiety, which will be released in a few weeks. And again, anxiety around this, that's another thing schools are going to have to be coping with. Yeah. And, and they are now, I know they are, because obviously the media coverage of the virus and how many deaths here and how many deaths there. And, you know, we see that 24-7 now. So, you know, young people are picking that up. Parents are anxious. That anxiety is then translated to their children. <laughs> you know, the, the, the washing of the hands and the, yeah. you know, the constant... Um, asking children have you done this have you done that <laughs> you know it's it's it, it's just and then somebody coughs um and and you know everybody's looking at you <laughs> we, we, we went out for lunch on sunday and it was like all right so we got into a restaurant wash hands hold the menu hand sanitizer yeah. <laughs> you touch the table hand sanitizer no, wipes, get the wipes out yeah um and and you know half the population will be doing that you know and then there'll be others that are just carrying on <laughs> Like yeah. normal, um, and yeah, maybe okay. I mean, that I think that's the other problem we just don't know because a lot of the information that we've had is around 
elderly people who've got pre-existing conditions. They're the ones that are most at risk. But that's only because that's what's happened so far. You know, we don't know that it's not going to be children who are vulnerable um, who are going to, you know, have, have, have difficulties as well. So we're, we're, we're almost, you know, we're, we're working from nothing. Yeah. And the government keep talking about we've got the best scientific advice and everything else. But there, there's no, we've, we've got no knowledge of this from previous world or life or no. whatever. It, it is new. Um, and, and, you know, it's not flu. Um, we've got lots of information about flu and, you know, it's, it, we've just got to go with what we're being told. Yeah, we don't, um, we still don't know if it's going to disappear as we get warmer. Um, no. there's cases in Australia and the Southern hemisphere where it's lovely and warm. So that's happening. So we, we just do not know. Yeah. And I think in some countries that that's what they're, they're thinking. It's, we're a hot country, so therefore it doesn't affect us. And yet it does. Um, you know, and and also because we've, I mean, it's, it, things things are shutting down now. But you know, we've we, we've got a global um, travel industry, so we know people who you know could have been in China, uh, uh, then went to Italy, and now in England. That you know, unless they've declared that, no, we 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 have no no knowledge of where they've been and who they've been with. So, but you've uh, got. Various people who who you got these international companies and they get all the heads from different countries, yeah. all the sales managers together. They all meet up and then a week and a half later, one of them has the coronavirus. Yeah. And it's like, well, actually, they've all been together, yeah. so they've now taken it back. So even yeah. though none of them have been to China, yeah, you've yeah, and and then it's trying to track who they have been with, and you know, I mean, it's just you can't even imagine it because you know, for instance, say you're working in London and you've been on the tube, well, you know. That who's going to declare I was on the Northern Line on the you know seven twenty two to wherever, and if you were on there, you're at risk. They're not. <laughs> it, it's 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 you know it's 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 too difficult because you won't even know until that person won't know until a week later. It's just it's yeah, impossible. Yeah, and then you may not even be London then, so you've gone back. Yeah. you know, and so I you know we've we've got to be ready. We've got to have a contingency plan. Um, and, and for me, the plan has got to be, this is what we're doing if we're staying open, but we're also planning, should we have to shut, these are the things we need to consider. So and for special needs children, that's around any treatments they have to have, who who they have to see. Um, you know, if they've got an annual review coming up, can that be done remotely? Can you have an, an annual review meeting um, you know, remotely or using technology, or do we just have to wait until it's all clear and then and then you know we'll have a backlog and yeah. And if if, if you do have that online meeting, is it going to be as effective? Yeah, is, are, are people going to be able to share the right level and understand the information yeah. correctly? Yeah, and and will everybody have all the right paperwork because it's locked away somewhere or it's on a protected computer and yeah, so. Um, you know, I know there's lots of lots of teachers probably out there who are thinking, oh, if I had four weeks, I could do the planning, I could do this, I could do that. But I think there's there's lots of knock-on things that we need yeah. to be thinking about as well. Um, because it's not just it isn't just going to be elongated holiday. There's going to be some some real issues around yeah. what we're providing for our youngsters um, and how we're providing it. And if we start to look at the families, so. Um if there's no closures and life goes on as normal, that's you've still got to minimise the contacts. So in reality, yeah. if you've got a vulnerable child in your family, you need to start reducing your going out, who you see, family. You just need to reduce all that. And then when school closures start to happen, you've then got to start balancing, um, think about what they receive at school. So physio, all yeah. that sort of stuff and the medical and go, Okay, and it's all balancing those risks. Yeah. What is how how what is priority? Uh, how urgent is that? We it, if you're at home for twenty two weeks, so if you take sixteen week closures plus Easter and plus the summer holiday, that's a long time. Yeah. What is it that's needed in that time frame? If you don't do that, what's the long term implications? Yeah. Even stuff like the social. If you're at home with just you and your the social interaction, that's mm. going to be a hard one. Absolutely. Um, because if you if you can't get out or there isn't anywhere for you to go because everything's shut, 
um, or you can't access respite with another family or, you know, wherever you would normally get that from. It, it is going to be, it's going to be worse than a six week holiday. Yeah. Even if it is only six weeks, because at least in a six week holiday, you've probably planned to go somewhere. You've planned a bit of respite you know, whatever, but the, the, none of that is going to be available. Or if it is available, you, you're still at risk. Yeah, You've got to map the risk of, you know, what will happen if they do go into the respite or to that family as for respite. So I, I, it, it's, it's... So many things. So many things to have to think about. And we fi- need to be thinking about them now. Because you're going to have the like, physical education. So if just... That sort of stuff, the exercise yeah, you get. Yeah. So if, if you're at home all day, you need to get exercise. So yeah. how, how and where can Absolutely. you exercise? And if you're living in a flat and, you know, you've got to actually go outside of the flat, then and, and yet you can't because, you, <laughs> you know, you can't even go for a run around your garden. No. So, um, you know, if, you, if you've got a restricted area for for outdoor space and actually we all need to be outdoors we do you know we do need to get fresh air we do need we can't just be locked up in four walls especially if it starts getting hotter absolutely (laughs) so we do need to think about you know where where are there maybe some open spaces that we could actually go and use um where we can keep our distance from from other people and then when we do if if it does close for 16 weeks and we get to september it's like Okay, so we've now got children who haven't left our house for 22 weeks with anxiety and now are supposed to be coming back to school. Yeah. That's going to be a long journey. So it's not a case of we're back in school, yeah. everything's back to normal. No. And and we know that some, some children, you know, because they have six weeks off, go backwards in their learning. Yes. So if they've had that sort of length of time with, with limited learning, that could also have you know, huge implications. But the anxiety and the stress and the emotional side of things is something we really need to think about. And we also need to consider those youngsters who are vulnerable in terms of safeguarding. And, you know, actually, if they're in school, we can monitor them and we we find out what's going on. The longer they're in, at a, in home, you know, where there may be some issues, nobody's actually monitoring them. And, and, you know, watching out for them during that time. Every time we talk more, you throw <laughs> something else at me. I'm going, geez, wow, I hadn't thought of that. It, yeah. it is, it is um, huge. And it is, you've got to balance up. Because social workers, they can't go around every house. They'll be just be super spreaders. Yeah, well. So then I, they've got I, to prioritise. And then they'll be probably told off for making the wrong priorities. Yeah. It's, it's, and and that's, the, that's the other issue, isn't it? I mean, you know, it... it all of those other professionals that are needed to support, um, you know, they're not going to be able to go and do home visits, as you say, because of the, the virus. Um, yes, they can they can do stuff on the phone or um, you know through technology, but they're not going to actually see the child. Or you know, um, we're we're being told not to go to GP surgeries unless it's it's urgent. Um, you know, A and E is going to be full of. <laughs> You know, people who are desperately in need of help. So it, it is going to be really difficult. And, you know, everybody's going to be challenged by how, how they can support um, children, young people and their families in, in throughout all of this. And we will, at some point, uh, start having the first deaths, not due to corona, but due to the inability to access services due to corona. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I don't even want to go there and think about it, but <laughs> you're probably right, yes. Um, you know, and, and you know, or, or, you know, children being malnourished because they're not getting their food or um, just not being, you know, neglect because they're just not getting the, 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 what they need. So just to go back on malnourished, we talked uh, before we started recording about uh, free school meals yeah. and there's been lots of talk on social media about, and you've mentioned earlier about children that um, often that meal in school is their main meal yeah. of the day. So I know we've talked that um, some um, schools are doing deals with a, lo- with a shop in their local area. Yeah. So actually we can reimburse you. And I think it is when you do have a high number of vulnerable children, actually as a school, you need to start doing that. Well, exactly. I mean, if you're a school that's got high numbers of free school meals, then I would imagine you've probably already started to think about it. You know, the amount of people on Twitter are talking about what they're doing. Um, you know, but again, supermarkets and local shops need to also be thinking about, well, what can I do to support? So, um, you know, a, 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 
you know, meal deal vouchers are being talked about, you know, where you get your sandwich, you drink in a bag of crisps and yep. the school reimburses the supermarket for the, the meal deal. I know it's not a hot meal, but actually it's better than nothing and yep. fairly nutritious. Um, but again, you know, we do, it, it's something we've got to consider because for those youngsters, that is their meal of the day for many. Um, and, you know, they are entitled to it. It It, it is paid for. Um, and and yet we can't have them just coming into school for dinner for lunch because you know that's against what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, but they are vulnerable, and and so therefore we do need to be planning for those youngsters um, as we go forward. So, is there anything we haven't covered that you think we need to sort of um, just make sure people are thinking about them? These things. Yeah, I think I think that for me it's thinking about who's coming into your school. So, you know, restricting as much, you know, so even, you know, governor's meetings, can they be done um, virtually? Are they that important at this moment in time? Can we do it by phone? You know, whatever. Um, So even people who wouldn't be visiting quite regularly, so, you know, chair of governors might be going in. Is it best that they don't go in, but you you keep them informed by phone? I think so. The visitors, I think, is, is an important one. I think... May, uh, cancelling anything where children are going off-site. Yeah. So any sort of off-site activities or off-site visits or even thinking about if you've got pupils that have dual placements, so some pupils that may spend two days a week, I don't know, as an alternative provision and three days in your school, you know, what's what's the plan for them? And, and you know, what's the plan in the place where they're going to and all that sort of thing? Um, and it's also be preparing now for there being either you need to close your school or there will be a national closure and 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 what does that mean in terms of what are we sending home how 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 are we going to manage that what does that mean for our vulnerable children what does that mean for our free school meal children just sitting down and working that out now and there will be things we forget there will be things we don't even think about but if we can share as much as possible with parents, then at least they can be planning and preparing as well. Um, so, you know, if, if if we do hear that if schools may have to shut, then, okay, so let's, let as, as a school, work with our parents to what does that mean um, for, for them and for, for the school. And, uh, yeah, it's making sure they've got information and think about all those services you provide. So it's not just the fact that school's closed, it's helping parents... Because not all parents are able, you might need to support them in their decision making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. actually, these are services your child gets at school. Yeah. If your child isn't at school, they definitely need, to, we need to still be able to provide this. Yeah. This needs to happen. Yeah. These are, um, you don't want to sit there and say this isn't because it'll be a child by child. Yeah, absolutely. And it's about knowing your children and knowing what their needs are and knowing, and knowing their families. Yeah. And knowing what families can provide and where there will be shortfall if you like um because families aren't able to 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 deliver cool so any last words well good luck (laughs) um i i am hopeful that we will get some more information later today because the as i say the secretary of state is meeting with the education unions so hopefully they will have come up with some plan um and and hopefully they will communicate that with um us as soon as possible and hopefully they will think of SEN for once and not just well absolutely but I think that special schools especially are very good at being on their own and just thinking on their own feet and just going you know along with whatever's given them but will always consider their children um, in a different way maybe um, so we'll be putting links to uh, resources so we mentioned Twinkle uh, Lorraine has a chatter pack um, so any ones we've seen, I'll be sharing that because I think there is um, a list come from a couple of organisations, spreadsheets with list of uh, free resources you can get. So I'll be sharing those on the show notes. Um, and just to reiterate, at the time of recording on Monday, uh, currently now 12.20 on the 16th of March, we're still um, minimal governance uh, guidance from the government. It would be nice if Boris Johnson every so often said no change. It would give us all much more confidence rather than is he going to change and yeah. when. Um, and by the time you listen to this, so hopefully I'll be getting this out uh, on Tuesday, 17th. So by the time you listen to this, 
We may have a lot more information. We may have a much bigger idea. We may be in shock or we might be quite happy. Um, so thank you for listening to the show. Um, if you haven't subscribed already, you can subscribe by going to our website, www.thesendcast.com, and you'll see on the page there's links to everywhere you can currently find it. You can also sign up for our newsletter on our website to keep up to date with the latest news. Alternatively, you can follow us on Twitter, at The Sendcast, on Facebook, The Sendcast, on Instagram, The Sendcast, or on LinkedIn, just search for The Sendcast. Um, and if you want to get in touch, let us know your thoughts, suggest topics, or anything else, please email us at hello at thesendcast.com. So I'm going to say a big thank you, Florraine. Thank you very much. I sprung this on her last night, <laughs> and she came along very prepared, so thank you very much. That's okay, and let's hope that we get a bit more information very soon it was i was looking on twitter and there was very little out there for special schools yeah, there's no, no guidance there was no. things schools were saying they were doing yeah um but i think there's also for parents it's a quite a scary yeah. time yeah, yeah yeah absolutely so thank you so much okay. um and if you've enjoyed the same cast and you've got a couple of weeks with not a lot going on coming up <laughs> Uh, you could look at the virtual Send conference we run. So this is a conference that, like, Send, like the Sendcast, is run by B-Square, but it covers all aspects of SEND. And what makes this conference different is that it can still run. <laughs> um, we run the conference over the internet, so rather than you having to go anywhere, it comes to you. So I know we've already got people signed up from the Middle East, from Africa and various other places, because um, it's a great way to get CPD. Uh, Lorraine is doing a session. Jane Friswell's doing a session. We've got um, name disappears from the moment, um, but so many people are coming along to do sessions. And what's really good about it is you can watch it on the day. So we'll be running the next one on the twenty seventh of March. But if you are teaching, if schools are still open and you're busy, you, what's great is we can record all the sessions and we make them available after. So if you are teaching on the 27th, you can't make it, you can get access to the sessions anytime you want. If you're not teaching on the day, if you're at home, self-isolating, um, you can actually watch, join us for the entire day watching the conference. And unlike most conferences where in the afternoon you have to choose between different streams, you get to watch all of them. Um, so it makes a lot of sense. Um, and we will make sure it all runs. We're doing lots of preparation to ensure the conference will run uh, on the day. Um, and... All of this, all of this content is only £60 per school. Uh, and in reality, if you're a school with 20 teachers and your school is closed, it's a full day of CPD for all your staff for £3 a teacher. And what's great is actually I'm going to give you a discount code. So uh, if when you buy a ticket, use the code SENDCAST10, no spaces, SENDCAST10, you will receive a 10% discount buying a ticket. Uh, so thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, hopefully it's given you things to think about. Hopefully it hasn't worried you too much. Um, it's just making sure people have some information and can make are thinking about the right things at the right time. Um, and we'll be back uh, with another episode. So a big thank you for me and goodbye from me. And thank you and goodbye from me. Bye.